The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, James Anderson. Uh, this week, we will be doing a full catcher breakdown I've got uh, the Rotosaurus guys here, Jake Hallisker, Dave McDonald. Really appreciate you guys joining me. How you doing? Doing great, James. Really happy to be on with you, man. Thanks for having us. Always a pleasure being on with you, James. Uh, one of my favorite podcasts I look forward to doing every year. Uh, love the in-depth questions. Can't wait to get into it. Let's go. And for, for those who aren't watching, I've got my Rotosaurus hoodie on. Um, yeah. So. Uh, Fly. Yeah, this thing never goes out of style. Um, <laughs> the droop level is high with you. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get to the actual catcher pool this year, I thought it'd be uh, useful if we just quickly kind of gave our sort of, um, you know, non-player specific strategies at the c- catcher position for both fab and draft and hold leagues. Uh, so Jake, I'll, I'll start with you. Um, just kind of, how do you approach catcher? Uh, do you like paying up? Do you, you know, are you okay being uh, the last person to fill the catcher spot? Uh, do you have any sort of biases within the position? Uh, what's, what's your kind of approach at catcher? Dave loves my philosophy. I, I'm pretty fluid. Um, <laughs> I, I like to get dirty sometimes. Uh, I'll go down. To the sometimes, bottom, you know, uh, <laughs> it depends on the league though. Uh, in my auctions, I like to, I like to get really dirty. I'll uh, I'll one and two dollar it for the most part. Um, those are fifteens. Uh, DCs. I'm I'm I kind of go back and forth. I um, I can get one really good one and then hold off until the end for another. I can dumpster dive in DCs all the way. I'm not going to take two guys in the top ten rounds though. That's not that's not my style. Uh, I. I'm fluid though. I'm getting a little more open to taking an early catcher than I used to be in DCs. I used to be dead set against it because I would always F it up and I'd pick the guy that didn't uh, play the whole season or get hurt. And it kind of turned me off to it. And I started doing the dumpster diving thing on the regular. Now I'm kind of opening up to it again. I just took Tyler Stevenson in one of mine, which isn't super early, but uh, it's early enough that it's early for me. So I'm pretty fluid though. Dave, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say you're definitely more of a dumpster diver than I am, but uh, I have seen you uh, kind of alter your approach a little bit over the years, and as have I. Um, I think we both kind of agree that, like, we don't 
look to take the early catchers in general. Like it really has to be uh, the right guy with, with kind of everything going for him. Like, otherwise I, I usually really like that 100 to 150 area where I'm getting like a really solid catcher, a guy who might be playing every day, um, you know, who can give me like usually like some big power or something like that. Uh, like in, in 2021, Sal Perez was on like 75% of my teams and he pretty much won me leagues because like he had a monster year. Obviously I didn't see that coming, but I, you know, I figured he had all the, all the things that I was looking for, you know, he was, he was healthy. He was playing literally every day. Like when he wasn't catching, he was playing DH, um, you know, and it's just like, if I don't have to pay a top four or five round pick for a guy like that, I'm into it. And we're talking about two catcher leagues here, you know, like with one catcher league, I definitely let it go further down the line, but in two catcher leagues, I definitely like to get, I look for those guys who I think have some skills and playing time. Um, and if I can get those now, this is a year where with JTR coming off the year, he's having real Mudo. I really like him. And I mean, we'll get into that too, but like he has everything I'm looking for, for an early catcher, but really it's just him. Like nobody else really has everything that I'm looking for. So, um, and yeah, in, in comparatively to from fab leagues to draft and hold leagues, I think I, I, I put more, even more emphasis on like health playing time in, in, in draft and holds. I'm not looking to, you know, go huge. I just want to make sure that I'm getting guys that I can rely on so that I don't have to draft like five catchers. You know, I want to have maybe four um, because even, even if you have good catchers, you still want to have a couple backups because you know, catchers get hurt more than other positions. So you have to make sure you have someone to put in. So you're not taking zeros throughout the year. Um, and, you know, cause that's part of my philosophy is that they're involved in every single play. You know, you're, you're catching both, you know, in the field, every single pitch, you know, uh, ball bounces up, batter sw- swings and misses, uh, hits you in the knee, the leg, the, ha- the hand, the finger. There's so many ways that you can hurt yourself. Uh, it's pretty incredible that JTR has been in as healthy as he has been. Yeah, just look at Tyler Stevenson last year. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Now, you did mention – you mentioned two catcher leagues. In one catcher leagues, I will alter my strategy. I, I will take – a top three catcher in a 12 team, you know, one catcher league. There's the replay. I mean, you're, you're drafting guys in the 20th round to fill, you know, your outfield position that you're extremely comfortable starting. And the separation is so huge between the top catchers and like catcher number 12 that, you know, I, I will uh, take a JTR. I will take a, a varsity, you know, that kind of guy. Yeah. Uh, that's the kind of league where I definitely will pay up. So I want to make sure I said that. Yeah, I would say of of the three of us, I, I probably am most likely to to pay up uh, and take a, an early catcher. Um, I I think it one of the ways I kind of do it is sort of like if I'm up and I don't love someone else at a different position, I I'll look at who my top catcher is, and that might be where I go. Um, I I think it kind of it maybe um, raises your ceiling and your floor if you end up with one or two really good catchers, uh, whether you draft them high or draft them middle or draft them late, mm-hmm. like that does sort of up your, your ceiling as a team and sort of how high you can climb uh, an overall contest. If you have really good production from those two spots. Um, but I also think if you're good at, dialing in on good values in the mid to late rounds at the position that's 
probably the preferable approach. I just, I haven't had that much success uh, in that range in recent seasons. Um, but the, the one thing that I'm not very interested in is using an early pick on a catcher who I have any real concerns about where the batting average might finish. Mm-hmm. Like I, I just, um, you know, I had Yasmani Grandal on a couple teams last year and that, that still hurts. So trying to, trying to avoid that type of thing where you've got a guy in your lineup for 200 plus plate appearances and you're getting like a 200 average. Uh, Cause that's, that's extremely uh, damaging. Um, and I'm also, I'm also okay with going with, like if I take two catchers in the first 10 rounds in a draft and hold, I'm actually okay not even taking a third uh, and just sort of seeing where the chips fall there because you're, you know, you're, you're investing those picks, those high picks. Uh, you know, if, if you lose like JT Real Muto or Will Smith and you plug in Martin Maldonado or something like that, like it's not really saving your season. Um so I, I'm okay kind of going fewer backups if I have really paid up. Um, so I guess that's kind of my general uh, preferences of the position, but I'm, I'm still pretty flexible. What I'm curious, James, for you especially, being the prospect guy, are you looking for that, that catcher that if he comes up, because like you're saying, a lot of those catchers that you'd be replacing with, like Martin Maldonado, those guys, they're like they're hurting you in other categories where – you're not interested in putting them in. Are you looking for a prospect who, if they come up, you think they have a good chance of coming up, and if they do, uh, they could be like really valuable for you as maybe like a catcher three or four in a in a draft and hold. It's it's pretty rare that I am going after rookie catchers. Uh, I, you know, we might talk about a couple guys that there might be a time and a place for this year, but uh, like even Adley last year, I was very high on him, but I wasn't quite willing to pay the price on him. And I mean, he's the best catching prospect I've ever ranked. So right. um, I'm, I'm not that interested. And in, I really, you know, if I'm going cheap, I'm looking for sort of a guy with a, with a job and a guy who I'm not worried about getting sent back to AAA. If I'm going expensive, I definitely want to be very confident in the skills. So. I'm not really that interested in catching prospects in, in redraft generally. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, you mentioned backups and draft and hold, and uh, that's something I've changed my philosophy on this year, and I've, I've kind of seen the light. I used to, I, you know, in my dumpster diving, I would end up taking four catchers generally in hopes that, you know, two of them would hit. Uh, even in the situations where I'm doing that this year, I, I'm – being pretty strict, I'm only taking three catchers because, like you said, you know, you're plugging in a Martin Maldonado. There's no way he's even helping you. He hit a few homers last year and sucked on everything else. So <laughs> it's a drag on your team regardless. So I am so far religiously adhering to the three catchers max in DC's rule, and I want my third one to be a guy who's likely going to have 40% playing time or more and not like, I don't know, some uh, – first guy up in the minors on a team as my third catcher. And then I'm cutting myself off because it, it, even though it's 50 draft spots, uh, you know, those, those 40th round picks are still useful. They still could be a, a player that contributes for six weeks on your team. And I don't want it to be, you know, Andrew Knapp who's sitting there doing shit for me all year. 
So. <laughs> I was going to say, though, you do have a pretty good track record at finding some of those uh, cheap catchers over the years. I mean, it's worked out. Uh, I, had, I had Jonah Heim almost everywhere last year. So you had Raleigh. You picked up Raleigh last yeah. year, right? Yeah, I had Raleigh on my main and a few other teams. Uh, not my DCs, though. I was not on them for DCs, so I can't claim that yeah. one as much. as I, I had Heim all over the place, and that one worked out for about four months, so. Uh, you know, I, I've been pretty good over the years. Yeah. Even when I, when I won my auction title, it was Omar Narvaez. It was Christian Vasquez. It was James McCann that year. So I, I've, I've, I've done all right in that regard, but it doesn't work all the time. So it's not for right. everybody. For sure. Well, hopefully, uh, Jake will give us this year's, uh, contract year, James McCann. <laughs> Dave will give us this year's Juan Sal Perez and, uh, but we'll have to wait. We'll have to wait a little bit before we get to those guys. Um, those are too far down for me. Yeah. We're, we're going to start with uh, JT Oromuto. Uh, I did, I've got some ADP data that I'll be referencing throughout the pod. And it's, it's basically the NFBC draft champions, 15 team draft and hold uh, since December 1st. I think the thing it's like 15 drafts or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, JT Oromuto since December 1st has a ADP of 28 min of 22 max of 43. So already kind of settling in as a late second round pick. And I think that's going to hold all draft season uh, where he'll just kind of be going in the, in the late twenties. Um, is that uh, is that a price you guys would be willing to pay? I'll start with you, Jake. Um. I think he's worth it. I don't think it's the way I like to build my teams, though. I don't see it happening for me. Definitely not in an auction. I'm not going to pay up for a catcher at an auction like that. Um, I I can see the merits of it. Uh, dude still runs, plays almost every day in a good park, in a good lineup in the middle of it. Uh, I, I can't argue with anybody that builds their team that way. It's just it's not for me. What about you, Dave? Yeah, I do think I'm going to have uh, some JTR this year, actually. I, I do still like him even where he goes. I don't think he's – you know, you're always – for wherever you're drafting a catcher in a draft, they always have less stats than the other hitters going around them. Um, but really compared to the guys going around him, I, I'm not sure how much lesser he is. And we saw what he did in the second half once he made those swing adjustments. Like, you know, he hit 15 homers with 309 average. Now, granted, some of that small sample, but – you know, I'm not saying I think he's going to hit 30, but I think he's got more power than we've seen. I mean, you know, he's hit 25 before and he's in a great lineup and he's unlike Varsho, he's not uh, a drag on your batting average and he's going to run a lot. And especially this year with the new rules, I mean, he could be, he could be stealing, you know, I could easily see him stealing closer to 30 bases this year. Um, I mean, I don't know how much they're going to want him to run, but uh, you know he's still 21 last year, so uh, I don't think it's it's difficult to see him uh, kind of being just the full package, like where he could be that first round value quite easily. And uh, you know from the catcher position, that's just huge. And I just he's he's consistently 500 plus plate appearances every year. I mean, there's just yet uh, you know there is that always that hey he's a catcher he can always get hurt on any play, but. Beyond that, the guy's just been the picture of health, and uh, yeah, he pretty much has everything I'm looking for in a catcher. Yeah, if you if you want speed in the second round, it's basically Tatis, who goes almost near the the one two turn, and then it's Michael Harris, 
JTR yeah. and Francisco Lindor. Yeah. Those are basically the four guys who go in the second round who can give you speed. And, yeah, and I like, mean, if, if, if you're in a position where you're going to take JTR, you're probably at the end of or at the beginning of the first or at the beginning of the, the draft. So you're at the end of the second. I mean, that's that's a time you could push up another guy, too, because you got Marcus right. Simeon below yep. there, too. But yeah, I mean, Dave, can you really like say a 31, 32 year old catcher is going to increase his steals output? I mean, <laughs> have you really seen have you seen the numbers from the independent league with uh, with the steals numbers with the new rules? I mean, it's pretty insane. So, I, I mean, I don't I don't doubt that. But I mean, I'm, I'm not saying he's going to steal 30. I'm saying there's upside for more than 21, though. I guess it's possible, yeah. I mean, I don't if he know. Did I just he can do more than that. But even if he's at twenty-one, I mean, compared to like Lindor, I think he's pretty much right on par. Like, why, yeah. why, why would you take Lindor over Real Muto? I guess is the question. Or, or if you're if you're planning to take, let's say Varsho, who we're going to talk about next. I mean, yeah. Why wouldn't you just take JTR around earlier? Yeah. And bank the average instead of huge the, average yeah. difference. I, th- and, I think there's a huge gap there. So yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, Michael Harris is the one guy who I might, I might have to take over JTR, but it's, it's really those two guys at that point in the second round, I think for me. Sure. I think Harris versus JTR is such a, is a, a classic toss up because it's tough. I just, I know a bunch of like, there's definitely going to be people in these high stakes leagues who just want no part of Michael Harris in the second round because he only did it for, you know, one season uh, and JT Aramuto is kind of like the exact opposite of that. Like he's just got this awesome track record. Um, so I think that that's, I have been on the clock with both those guys there and it's, it's, it's tough to, for me to choose, but I think for a lot of people, it's, it's an easy call one way or the other. Which way did you go? I went with Harris. Uh, I, but I, I've regretted it at times <laughs> since then. So I, don't, <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, I, I could go either way just depending on the, the day of the week or the time of the day. Um, I think it's easy to see either of them or both of them having first round value. Cause you look at the guys who move up into the first round the next year, like in 2024 um, looking at the past, the guys that move up, it's always the five category hitters. I mean, those are, that's, those that that's bankable. I mean, you know, it's the paths, the value, even if they're not giving you as many steals as you want, they're still giving you home runs or still giving you average, you know, there's so many ways that they can be valuable. And, you know, those are the kind of guys that, like I said, they can be easily first round picks next year. So um, and, I, and I like both of them a lot. Jake kind of alluded to this too, but I mean, I do think like Semyon and Arazarena, like their, their considerations when you're thinking about these guys, even though the ADP isn't quite there to me, like if, if you are expanding stolen base options sort of in, at the two, three mm-hmm. turn area. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think of my two picks as kind of a a, a package if I'm you right. know, picking at the back end of the second. So, so uh, let's talk about the the Blue Jays. They've got three catcher eligible players now with ADP uh, at a, at around 200 or less. Uh, obviously, Dalton Varsho, uh, the new Blue Jay. Um, kind of funny how that worked out. Like we were waiting for the, that those three catchers in Toronto, one of them to get traded and they brought in another catcher eligible guy. Uh, But he's not going to play much if any catcher this year. And I, you know, I saw a lot of varying reactions to that trade where, you know, it's, it's theoretically more plate appearances now, better lineup, according to some people. Um, 
but I, I don't know. I, do you guys, did that kind of increase his value in any meaningful way, that trade? Um, or, or does his value stay the same? I had a pretty strong internal debate on this last on, on him in my last DC. Uh, I was picking at 34. And at that time that I think that would have been his min in December Varsho, that is. And I was strongly considering it. And then the more I thought about it, I just, I look at that average floor, you know, there, there's a legitimate scenario. He hits two thirty. He's, probably hitting fifth or sixth in the lineup instead of leading off for the majority of the time like he did last year. The Blue Jays don't really run a lot. Uh, you know, the D-backs ran a wild last year. They, they were running every chance they could get. I just, I don't know. I, I just, I can't do it anymore. I, I thought I was going to, and I thought about it and thought about it, and luckily it was a four-hour clock, and I just kind of think <laughs> And then <laughs> I ended up going uh, with Randy Rosarena instead, and I don't really regret it. You know, I thought about maximizing those ABs uh, with a catcher-eligible guy that's going to be playing the outfield, and I just – the scenario is just not the same as last year. I, I don't think it works out as well for him this year as it did last year. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm not going to say that I'm out on Varsho by any means. Like, I can see – uh, I can see myself taking him because he's going to play probably every day. I mean, I'd imagine in the outfield. I didn't realize he was needs it. Yeah, I didn't realize he was an elite defender in center field. That's kind of crazy to go from catcher to to center fielder. But like Jake mentioned, there, there's there's a lot of warning signs here too, and it's it's kind of like I mean, you know, his he he doesn't steal bases like particularly proficiently. So you could see them kind of putting the the skids on. He was. Uh, he was not great versus lefties. He has 77 runs created plus versus lefties last year. Um, I, I mean, that average floor, you know, anytime you, you're seeing projections for a guy where he's projecting to hit like 230, 235, you know that like that can range 30 points both ways. If he's hitting 200, are they going to keep getting him, giving him every day at bats? And, you know, if he loses those at bats, now don't, not only is he hurting your average, but he's also <clears> – <throat> hurting all the counting stats as well. So I just, I can't see myself taking Varsho as early as he's going. Like Jake said, I'd much rather take Real Muto around earlier and get the the guy who I have no, like there's, there's just no concerns of. And to your point about lefties, Dave, they, uh, you know, that that's already an extremely right-handed heavy lineup. And they last year showed that they're, they're going to mix and match the back half of their lineup. That's true. Uh, I mean, they, they got Kiermeyer as long as Kiermeyer's healthy, which, you know, who knows, but they have him to play defense <laughs> and center. So they can throw, uh, you know, Kevin Biggio in the outfield. Um, I don't, I don't think they're going to have any problem benching Varsho against lefties if, if they need if to. They need to. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, uh, I'm kind of in the same uh, place as you guys where I, I got a, actually at the podcast we did last year with D- Dave and, Toby, uh, that kind of convinced me to load up on Varsho th- this past year, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't see that. I think that value is pretty much all gone. And like you guys mentioned, with the uh, the batting average floor, that's just you know taking a catcher in the third round who might hit below two thirty. It, it just it's tough. Uh, so I, it could pay off, and I, I won't say that I won't have any Varsha this year, but it, it, it definitely doesn't feel like a value to me uh, where he's currently. Yeah, going. you're you're paying full freight for sure. 
so then we've got a couple more Blue Jays. Alejandro Kirk, uh, I should say Varsho's ADP 41 um, since December 1st, uh, min of 32. Uh, but Alejandro Kirk, ADP of 104. Danny Jansen, ADP of 202. Uh, I like both these guys. And I, I might like the cost on Jansen a little bit more than I like the cost on Kirk, but I'd, I'd be very happy ending up with either of these guys. Uh, what do you think, Dave? I love both. Um, you know, I, you could, you could see from the first half of last year, what Kirk could be, you know, he was, he was on pace to hit like, you know, 20 homers with a three fifteen average, like that his, his plate skills are so elite. Like this guy could easily hit over 300. Um, it's just with both of them though, it's just the playing time aspect. It's it's they're gonna kind of cannibalize each other. And uh unfortunately, uh Fangraph's lineup tracker is down, so I can't I can't look at to see how often uh they sat, but I do know that they sat a decent amount. And I mean I think Jansen played more and more as the season went on, so I'm kind of with you there, uh, in terms of, of maybe being a little higher relatively on Jansen, but I love the skills. I mean, the guy had a 13% barrel rate. That was like, you know, top four for catchers, I believe. Like, he doesn't strike out. He had a he had a 17.7% K rate. Um, you know, and this is this is he had 15 homers in 250 plate appearances. So, you know, if if Jansen can get more playing time, I I love him. And uh, you know, pick 200 is kind of even if he's playing 60% of games at pick 200, you're not going to complain if you're getting you know, a guy who can uh, give you a 260 average with, you know, 15, 20 plus homers. So, I mean, and, and then there's the upside for more if they play him more. I mean, he's a really good defender. Uh, and now maybe with Moreno out of the picture, maybe it's slightly because you, I have to assume they're not going to be playing Varsho at catcher at all. But I mean, I guess it's a possibility, but I'm just assuming they need him in that outfield defense. Yeah. So. Why would they? Yeah. Right. And yeah, he's, and he's nowhere near the catcher the other two are. So no, he's crazy. terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, so I mean, I think both Kirk and Jansen have their uh, have their benefits, and and honestly, I'm I'm interested in both. It just kind of depends on uh, on on where I'm at. Both are viable for me. I see myself having a lot more Jansen, mainly because of the price. Um, I I like Kirk's plate skills as much as the next guy. I'm just. I'm not sure how much power his upside is. Um, I don't know. The second half swoon was concerning to me. Uh, we didn't see, we saw virtually no power in the second half. And I'm just, I'm not sure what I make of him yet. Uh, I kind of, at, at that price, I'm probably more willing to be wrong on him uh, by letting him go. But I do I see think- myself owning some Jansen. I think what I like most about Kirk is the the playing time combined with the batting average uh, because I you know he he had 50 games at DH last year and I mean how many catchers would you project to hit for a higher average than Kirk mm-hmm. uh, right right not so you know if you're getting if you just get like 530 520 plate appearances with that 285 average mm-hmm. steamers yeah. given him I mean that that really helps uh at catcher oh, yeah. and and then with with Jansen uh you know if you if you've been rostering Jansen at all recently you would know this but like since the All-Star break of 2021 he's got a 304 ISO and a 275 batting average and 
I think he's got 21 homers and like 319 yeah, plate appearances. He could so, just stay on the field. He he's excellent, but yeah, dude's injured all the time. It's he was true. Like five times last year. It's true. It's, it's but, but at that price, I'm willing to take that shot. Yeah. 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 I, like, like his barrel rate. I mean, it's it's through the roof. You know, he's he's 13. percent Uh, you know, there there's no real full time catchers up there other than you know, William Contreras and Big Dumper. So that's that's some pretty good company in terms of power. And Jansen's yep. below the – like if I take Jansen as my first or second catcher, I'm definitely taking a third catcher in a draft. Um, let's move on to uh, Will Smith and the Dodgers. Uh, just as, as steady as they come, ADP is 60. Uh, really narrow range, min of 52, max of 67 for Will Smith. Uh, I'm I'm a huge fan. I mean, I think it's it comes down to just sort of who's on the board, what you need at that point in the draft. But I, I think he's about as safe a pick as it gets at this position. Uh, what do you think, Jake? Very solid. Uh, batting order spot is extremely secure. Played a ton last year. I mean, he's young. He's got plenty of power. You you don't expect the average to be below, you know, 250 to go along with 25-ish homers. Uh, it's totally a guy I'm comfortable with. Um, end of the fourth, beginning of the fifth. I You know, you're, you're not getting any speed from him, but everything else will be really good. You'll have plenty of RBIs. You'll have plenty of runs. It's a, it's a really good park overall offensively. Uh, I, yeah, I agree. I, I have no problems taking him at all. If I'm going to take an early catcher, he's probably the first one I would take. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Anything to add, Dave? I mean, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I I was kind of I, I was a little surprised that he didn't um do a little bit more last year, just in terms of like I, I mean he seems like he has the profile where he could hit for a higher average. Um maybe he maybe I mean maybe it's just a, a speed thing or I, I don't know. I mean maybe he doesn't hit enough line drives. I mean twenty one percent, pretty good. I don't know. Um, he's he's very, very solid. I just don't know. He's going at the same time as Adley and Sal Perez, and I just feel like with both of them, I have much more upside seemingly than with Will Smith. Like I just – I feel like he – Will Smith is very, very solid. Um, I just don't know. I, I think he's, he's a fine pick where he goes. I just – I see myself taking Sal or Adley over him, I think, just because I think that those two could – well, we've seen Sal put up, you know, a monster season. Um, it's possible Will Smith could, uh, but we know that Sal Perez will be in the lineup literally every day, whereas Will Smith will get uh, rest. Not that he's – I mean, he still had, you know, 578 yeah, points. So like, yeah, it's not like he's he's not getting enough plate appearances or anything, but uh, I don't know. I just uh, – I don't see myself taking Will Smith just because of who else is around at that point, but I think he's a fine pick. I'm in, I'm I'm interested in your your Adley over Will Smith argument. Yeah, why why don't we just do that now? Why don't you, Dave? Why don't you sell sell Jake on Adley? Uh I don't know if I can sell Jake anything to be honest with you. <laughs> I've been friends with this fucker since high school. I mean, I can't I can't sell him on anything honestly. Uh, I don't know. I just I feel like um, I mean Adley has more speed. Uh, I I. I know Jake's kind of downplaying the the rules change next year, but I, I do think that, like, you know, Will Smith is going to give you pretty much one, maybe two steals. Uh, Adley had four in his time last year, and his speed score is up there for a catcher, and uh, I, I can definitely see him running a lot more. Um, I just feel like his average upside, he's he could be like a 300 hitter now. I don't know. Will Smith seems like he has the right profile for it, but again, he didn't take any steps forward last year. And James, I don't know. Maybe you can tell me from their minor league uh, profiles who you think. Um, but it seems like people think Rutschman is a future 300 hitter, and he seems like at some point he's going to have about 30 home run power too. So, uh, and you know, Will Smith is already at 24 homers, so I get that. But I just feel like Adley has more paths with the speed and uh, and the and the average. Yeah, I mean, I. I... I don't know if there's another level for Will Smith uh, batting average wise. I, I do love that he, you know, cause he used to be up kind of in that Reese Hoskins, uh, Mike Trout range for fly ball rate. And he's, he's kind of got it into a, a more sort of safe, you know, mid forties range than, you know, pushing 50. Uh, and he does, he does pretty much everything you want him to do as a hitter, but it just, he just has that one year on his, on his resume of being more than like a 255 hitter. Um, 
So I don't know if there's another level there. I just I, I love how set it and forget it Will Smith is. Uh, the the park difference between Adley and Will Smith yeah. is is pretty significant. That's um, my one of my main sources of concern. I, that park is played extremely repressive last year. Um, you know he is a switch hitter, so it's not you know totally gonna right. gonna ding him. But man, right-handers got blasted by that park last year, and I don't. You know, I see Will Smith pretty pretty solidly getting you 150 plus runs in RBIs. I, you know, Adley's average ceiling is higher. I, I totally agree with you. I think uh, you know he is a 300 possible hitter, uh, but hitting second in an Orioles lineup with, you know, we all love Gunnar Henderson, but you know him and Sed Mullins around him, I. In that park, I, I don't see him getting to 140, let alone 150 plus like Smith will. And like like James said, I mean, set it and forget it. Third hitter in a lineup having Betts and Freeman in front of him, guys are going to be on base plenty. Uh, I think I'm much happier going there. I think you're right in terms in terms of safety. I, I just think that there's a possibility that Adley goes off next year, and I just don't see that from Will Smith. Um, I I do agree that. Will Smith's the safer pick. Um, but I mean, you know, as a rookie, Adley Rutschman had like a 14% walk rate and an 18% K rate. I mean, that's, that's insane. Um, and and I mean, I, Will Smith has been very good too. Don't get me wrong, but. I was making the case, you know, for Will Smith there, just in defense of Will Smith, but I, I am probably closer to you, Dave, uh, than to Jake on like, I'm right there with you on like, Adley, I would take Adley over Sal Perez, uh, I, when we're talking about Will Smith and Adley, like Adley might lead all catchers in runs and Will Smith might lead all catchers in RBI. And they'll both probably be top five, top six in plate appearances. I think Adley could actually challenge for first in plate appearances at catcher because I think they're just going to want his bat in the lineup as much yeah. as possible. Um, they don't you, have a backup guy there, yeah. You bring up a – I mean, they'll, they will play him at – you know, he got – over 20 starts at DH last year and and less than a full season. So, I mean, they're just going to want him in there. Um, I I think the speed part with Adley is, is really worth mentioning. I I wouldn't go and project. I wouldn't like prorate his steals just because it it really isn't something we saw much from him in the minors at all. Uh, But I do think there is that upside of him being kind of like an eight steal guy. Uh, And especially when you factor in, how much he's going to be on base, right? Like he's probably going to be up there among the best at catcher in, in OBP. So mm-hmm. I, I like Adley a lot. Uh, I, I do. I think Smith probably hits five more home runs than him this year. Um, Sounds right. But yeah, um, we can, we can move on to, to the Royals now. Uh, Sal Perez, of course, but also MJ Melendez, uh, Sal Perez with a 69 ADP. Melendez with a 103 ADP. Uh, wider range on Perez, min of 52, max of 84. Uh, I am not – I know you're about to make a, a case for Sal, Dave. Um, <laughs> this kind of falls into the danger zone for me. Of I see the batting average. Um, I know he's been steady there. Uh, I know he – it's just the approach and the age worry me a little. Um, 
I do think one of these years he's going to hit uh, well below 250. I uh, don't really know when it's going to be, um, but I I don't know. I, I think, and there's just so many miles on his body too. Um, I'm not really that into him in the fifth round, uh, but why don't you make the case? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I think what you're saying is valid. I, I mean, he's, he's 32. Um, you know, I, I think I could see it more if he was like, you know, 34, 35 uh, in terms of falling off a cliff. I, I think people saw last year, you know, he, he had those, you know, the thumb injury, uh, you know, mid season, he was out for like over a month. Um, but I mean, he came back and the power was back. And I mean, he, he looked like his, his usual self. He looked, he looked healthier in the second half. Honestly, he had, uh, his expected batting average went from 234 to 270. Um, you know, cause he only hit 211 in the first half, 297 in the second half. You know, I think the truth lies somewhere between, I think he's, you know, like a 260 hitter. Um, and you know, that can fluctuate, you know, it, there could be circumstances that push him down closer to 240. There could be circumstances that push him up closer to 275. You know, could be anywhere in there. Um, we've seen the power. You know, he had 48 homers in 20 in 2021, and I just think like I don't see Adley or Will Smith putting up the power numbers that we know that Sal could put up. Now, will will he? I don't know. Um, I'd feel pretty safe saying Sal Perez will hit 30 homers though. Um, again, he has no, he has no, you know, speed there. So, you know, he's, he's kind of more comparable to Will Smith in that aspect. Like they're both just power hitters. Uh, I do agree that Will Smith has a better approach. You know, he walks about three times as much and strikes out less, but you know, from a fantasy perspective, I don't know. Um, I just feel like the power upside with Sal for me puts him above Will Smith. Um, I think you can make the argument with Adley versus Sal because of the speed aspect of Adley's game. But, uh, I think I think Sal would be my uh, my target out of those three, and um, but I, I hear what you're saying. Um, I do think he'll fall off. I don't like the profile. You know, he's kind of Javi Baez esque, except for he doesn't strike out nearly as much. So I think uh, I think he's he's okay for right now. What do you think, Jake? I've taken Sal once already in the uh, Rob DiPietro August crazy people draft. Um, <laughs> I took him slightly. Is that the official name? I really hope it is. No, it was the meatball. We were the meatball draft. (laughs) Of course. It was the the meatballs. Uh, (laughs) I'm, I'm, you know, as long as Sal's playing, you know, 140 games, I think he leads all catchers and homers pretty easily. Yeah. Uh, He still, he still blasts the ball like nobody's business. I mean, his stat cast hard hit is hovering around 50% still again, despite the injuries last year. I think they're going to keep him fresh. I mean, he's he's got the DH available, and they have a perfectly capable other catcher on the roster in Melendez. So I don't see any reason they're going to start Sal at catcher, you know, six days a week. Um, Melendez filled in fine for him when he was injured last year. So the barrel percentage is still up there. Uh, yeah, he still doesn't walk at all, and he, but his strikeout rate is still consistent despite him aging. Uh you know, like Dave said, if he were 34, 35, I, I think I'd worry a little more. I think as long as he's given you 140 games, uh, I'm very comfortable taking him. As long as I'm feeling okay about my average. Uh, you know, I don't want to take uh, two, two bats before him that are, you know, they have a floor of 240 and then take him. I got to be cognizant of that. Well, let's um, compare him to Will Smith, who you said you are, you sounded like you were pretty comfortable taking like 
does Will Smith have a higher – I mean, despite the better walk and strikeout metrics, Will Smith seems like a 260 hitter. I mean, are you really expecting much worse from Sal? Am I expecting much worse? No. Well, but no I mean, also, like, is there I'm any difference? Expecting, I, I'm also not expecting Sal to be as healthy as Will Smith either. And if I'm taking a catcher in the first five rounds, I have to factor that into consideration. Uh, I, think I you, expect a few more RBIs from Will Smith as well. I think you guys have you guys have done a good job of kind of making me more um, okay with, with the price on Sal. And I, I think to your point on comparing him to Will Smith, uh, Dave, I mean, I... I just think Will Smith, it's kind of, it's sort of like 245 to 275. Whereas like Sal, I could see it being like 235 to 255, 260. Um, I think the band's a little bit different for those two guys, but um, I think it's it's a really good point about um, – the amount of times they can DH him. I, I mean, I think they'd rather have Sal behind the plate than Melendez, yeah, but yeah, um, for sure. You know, Melendez, he's got an ADP of 103. Uh, I want to give a shout to Ryan Venancio for this one, uh, but you mentioned the sneaky speed upside with, with Adley. Melendez attempted four steals in September. Um, and I think... When you when we're evaluating Melendez and Adley, I, I really don't think it can be lost just sort of how impressive what they did last year as rookies was. Yeah. When you kind of judge it versus what a normal catching uh, prospect does, and then with Melendez, he's playing out of position for a bunch of the year too. Uh, so I mean, it's it's a two seventeen average. Obviously, that's pretty ugly, but I don't I don't think he deserved uh, quite that bad. And I think he had a, no. a pretty solid command of the strike zone for yeah, a 20 plate skills too. Yeah. Um, so either you guys in on Melendez in like the seventh round, which is where he's going. It's, it's roster construction contingent. Uh, you know, I, I, he, I said, I debated Varsho in the draft. I'm in currently, I debated Melendez when he came up in the sixth and seventh. And I just wasn't comfortable enough with my average to take a guy who I, you know, I, I, Certainly think he's much better than 217, but could I afford to not take, you know, Xander Bogarts at that point and, and buoy my average? So um, I like Melendez in certain constructions because he's another guy you can maximize ABs with. And if they lead him off like they did last year, and if he does run a little bit more and, and maybe give you 10 steals in addition to 20 homers, um, I think he's extremely valuable at his at his draft cost in the right build. Wait, yeah, Dave. yeah, I'm into Melendez too. Um, I mean, he hit 41 homers in 2021 between Double A yeah. and Triple A yeah. with like a 290 average. Um, I just think I, I don't I don't see that happening in that in Kauffman Stadium. Like it's just it's it's too big of a park. Like you look at his. His stat cast metrics are, are nothing, you know, special. Like 111 max EV, you know, 43.5% hard hit rate, 10.5% uh, barrel rate. Like these are really, really good for a rookie though. Like could he take a big step forward next year? He could. Um, I don't I don't think I'm necessarily banking on it, but I think for where he goes at 103 and he's going to be playing, I, I would think close to every day, right? I mean, because he's playing in the outfield most days. Um, I'd say so. 
Yeah, I mean, I I didn't realize how much of a yeah I didn't realize how much of a butcher he was uh, at catcher. Though I was looking at his defensive metrics, and it's like his defense score was like negative seventeen or something like that. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, he was bad at catcher. Uh, I mean, Sal's not great at catcher either. But um, I mean, Melendez was was a butcher in left field, and then he also, you know. That that defense score on Fangraphs, like if you're DHing and playing mediocre left field and mediocre catcher, it's gonna look really ugly. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I I don't know which of 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 Belendez and Sal. I don't know who has more starts at DH next year, but uh, I do feel pretty good about those guys being in there five days a week. Yep, yep. And I I'm anytime you can get a guy like that around pick a hundred at catcher, it's it's definitely a, a consideration. There's there's definitely upside there. I mean, like you said, it's it's, it's not only that they're catchers, but or not only that they're rookies, but they're rookie catchers because typically rookie catchers struggle a lot because yeah. they're much more concerned with defense and you know leading the the rotation and calling a game that you know to to put up the numbers that Rutschman and uh, and Melendez did. It's really impressive. So, Jake, we've got. Uh, Wilson Contreras, MJ Melendez, and Alejandro Kirk are going back to back to back for ADP uh, right now, all in the seventh round. Is there a clear preference to you out of out of those three? Hmm. Um. Gosh, putting you on the spot. I I don't I don't like. Uh, hmm. I generally don't like taking guys uh, in first years of contracts. I I kind of. I, I buy into that narrative a little bit, but I think I still got to go Wilson Contreras because I don't think I think he plays just as much as uh, the other guys, and that that park uh, played a lot better offensively last year. I don't know I don't know what it was per se, but um, I don't think they signed him to play him four days a week. He's definitely going to be hitting second or so in that lineup and and uh, getting you a, a very solid amount of everything. Um, so I think I'd still go with that safety. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I'm a big Wilson Contreras fan. This this kind of has um, this. I'm not going to say that this is like Sal Perez 2021, but it kind of has those vibes. Like you can get him <laughs> later, and he's a big power guy. I mean, this is a guy who you know 116 max EV, you know 48 percent hard hit rate. Um, you know the barrel rate was only 10 and a half percent last year. Uh, I know he's going to Bush Stadium, but that's played a lot more neutral lately. And uh, I don't know. I just feel like he's he's the guy. I mean, he strikes out 21% of the time. That's not bad for a power hitter. Uh, it's pretty easy to see him, you know, hitting like 30 homers there in a good lineup playing every day, like Jake said. Um, it's it's hard. It's it's pretty difficult to take a guy. Like I can see, I can see any of those three guys being the mo- most – uh, valuable of the three, but uh, I feel the best about Contreras, I, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like, Melendez has uh, the ability to run a little bit more, um, but, you know, the the average floor is also lower. Uh, again, I don't think he's going to hit 217, but maybe 230. Um, you know, in, in Kirk, that average is so nice. Like, if, if, I'm, if I have a build where I feel like I need to add average, I'm probably going Kirk out of those three. But uh, I think in most other circumstances, I'm going Contreras. Yeah, I mean, not not a certainly a more complicated question than just pick your favorite because they all right. give you very different sort of statistics, yep. right? Because like Kirk's Kirk's the average guy, 
Melendez gives you kind of the the counting stats. Contreras, a uh, little bit of both. Um, so yeah, I, I I'd be happy to take any of those three. Um, and I, I'm I'm generally kind of with you, Jake. On you, you know I'm not going to be going after a lot of the recent free agent signees. Uh, I I I really see Contreras fitting in well in St. Louis. Yeah, though. he's I, a different kind of guy. I think I, I I see him being a guy that's going right to work. Uh, you you don't go to your rival team and and sit back on your haunches and collect your check. So, <laughs> yeah, that was a big F you right there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and he's probably, he probably is pissed at, you know, yeah. like I, I, would I be. bet he can't wait to play the Cubs. Who, who um, I yeah. mean, that, that dude was the team the last two years. I mean, more than that. So um, that brings us to Atlanta and you got Sean Murphy, uh, Recently acquired, he's got a 124 ADP. Uh, Travis Darno still on the team, 204 ADP. Uh, did the trade from Oakland to Atlanta make you make either of you more excited about Murphy? Were you in on him already, and and you're staying in? Uh, what do you think, Jake? Uh, I wasn't in on him before, mainly because I I expected him to be traded. Uh, I expected him to hit lower in his lineup and I expected him to play less. Uh, you know, I think it's been said on, on many other shows before he, he had an, a massive amount of plate appearances last year, you know, dude had over 600 PAs. Uh, that's not happening this year. They have a comparable other catcher in Travis Darno. They have a, a bevy of other offensive players on that team that can fill in a DH. He's, he's not going to play every day, even though they acquired him. I, I, I can't see them playing him as much as Oakland did. He's not going to hit third in the lineup. He's probably going to hit fifth or sixth. The depends on what Albies is doing. Um, I, I just don't see myself in at the cost when there are other guys going around him that are hitting in better spots in their lineup that I feel are going to contribute more. Uh, I, I don't. I don't see him as a uh, a standout in any category, really. So I don't see the point. What do you think? Dave? Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty much echoing everything Jake said. I kind of feel like he's like a Will Smith light. Like he pretty much does he he's very solid. Like you know what you're gonna get from him. Um, you know, he's he's probably gonna hit you fifteen to uh, I I don't know if he's gonna get to twenty I mean, like Jake said, with the playing time there, I yeah. it's it's tough to see him getting to twenty homers, but you know, somewhere in the in the high teens in homers I can see, you know, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, maybe nineteen. Um, with a 250 average, you know, it's pretty much just kind of a little less than what Will Smith gives you. Um, probably in lesser counter counting stats, play a little bit less. Um, he's he's solid though. I mean, he's got he's got some upside with uh, like you look at his max EV is 114. He hits the ball hard, 10.5% barrel rate, uh, 78% contact rate. Um, he does a lot of things well. I just, uh, you know, I, I agree that I don't think the playing time is going to be there enough. And I think people are going to be overvaluing him based on what he did over 612 plate appearances last year. I, I just don't see him replicating that this year. Yeah. And he was, a, he was a guy who actually, had, I was kind of off last year, uh, because of how undurable he'd been 
prior to last year. Mm. Um, Is that a word? Undurable? I, I couldn't think of the correct <laughs> word. <laughs> um, I didn't want to call him fragile, but uh, I guess, I mean, you could call him that, I guess, if you want, but not after 100 or 612 play appearances last year. But um, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you guys. Like, I, he's, uh, I don't think he moves the needle as much as the guys we've been discussing, where he's really kind of pushing you. Um, he's just, the best thing you can say about Sean Murphy is he's going to give you better production than most of the guys we're going to talk about from here on. But um, you might want to do something else at that spot in the draft. Uh, what about Darno as like a as like a super cheap first catcher or a, or a decent second catcher? Um, not where he's going. He's he's still at two hundred four and. You know, they got a lot of guys on the bench that can play DH if they want to rotate that stuff. So uh, how much does he play every week? Three games at the most? I don't know. And he's another guy that, despite recent memory, he's he was injured all the time up until a couple years ago. So, And, and who knows? He could be traded somewhere else, too. I don't know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I, I, I've kind of expected them to buy out Ozuna. Um but that hasn't happened yet. Uh, I know that there was that rumored trade where they're trying to trade Ozuna for Patrick Corbin, which if you're trying to do that, it makes me feel like you'd be okay paying him to go away, but um, <laughs> that's paying him a lot yet. to go away. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think he's, I think Darno's like, you know, his, his min is uh, or his, his max is 247. Like if he's kind of falling into that range for me, and I'm looking for a second catcher, I'd I'd, I'd consider him because uh, he is he is good, uh, but, but he is. If uh, if he's somewhere else, I definitely consider him. But I, I you know I at, at that point I'm comfortable, uh, you know, going into the muck rather than drafting a guy there. Sure, this almost yeah. Does, he... The Atlanta this this kind of Murphy Darno. Um, I do like a couple of guys we're going to talk about next, but this is sort of a, you know, why, why bother at this point? Like I, I might just go for a different position here, uh, kind of a range. Um, did you have anything else you want to say, Dave? No, I mean, a lot of what you guys are saying, you know, you, you asked us um, one of the questions on your, on your sheet up beforehand was which guys are completely off your board. And honestly, there weren't that many guys who were completely off my board and I, I wouldn't, I don't know that I'd even stay completely off, but I mean, Darno, I think would be the closest to completely off my board just because I, it's huge playing time concern there, right? I mean, like, yeah, maybe they get rid of Ozuna. Maybe he plays over him. Maybe he, maybe he is closer to a 50 50 split with Murphy than I think it is, but I don't know. Um, you know, he's another guy who's also older, uh, who I, you know, on top of everything else, you know, he's 33, going to be 34. I, I, I don't know. He's, He's just not the shot I'm going to take this year, so I, I don't I don't see myself drafting any Travis Darno. I uh, just uh, just looking at his uh, player page, he has never played in a hundred games in back to back seasons. So uh, it would be the first time in his career if he were to do that at age 34. Right. Uh, so <laughs> wow. probably not. Probably not happening. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Feels unlikely. <laughs> So here's a here's a fun name, uh, William Contreras. Uh, Brewers got him somehow in that Sean Murphy three teamer, and uh, 
his min is 102, so still going outside the the top 100. Max of 156. That was probably before that trade. Uh, I'd been I'd been drafting Contreras, the the younger Contreras, um, all over the place, even when he was with Atlanta. So I'm very excited to get him uh, if the price kind of stays where it's at. Uh, now that he's going to be playing in Milwaukee. Um, but what do you think, Jake? I'm open to it. I, I still haven't fully made up my mind on him because I, I kind of have these preconceived notions of him striking out a, an F ton from early in his career, and I'm I'm not over that yet. So I might have a little bit of bias there because his strikeout rate is going down, and he, he does have pretty solid walk rate too. So, uh, you know, there's, there's certainly some growth that is happening. Uh, he's going to play a lot. It's a solid park. It's it's not a great offense, but he'll have a decent amount of RBI opportunity. I think he's worth the cost. Uh, I I do. He's another guy where I'll ultimately worry about the average floor. Um, he does hit the ball hard, but he's. I, I feel like he's a guy that could hit sub two fifty still. But if he hits you twenty five to thirty. You know, you can, you can stomach that at that cost. He's giving you something. He's probably going to give you 85 RBI, too, because he's going to play a lot. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I mean, it does take Jake a long time to get over things. I, I think he just got over his high school girlfriend uh, the other week. So, um, oh, you know, it's... Yeah. And I've been married for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> not to her. <laughs> um, no, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about, Jake. Like, he... Uh, he it, through the minors, his high of a K rate was like twenty one percent. He was at twenty nine percent last year, but that was in only one hundred and eighty five plate appearances. So I mean, he's mm-hmm. he was at twenty eight percent last year. He's probably where he's at, like twenty eight percent. But I don't I don't yeah, see him. But if he's hitting hard, hard, yeah, yeah, you can get over that. Yeah, I, exactly. Like it's kind of like Cal Raleigh. Like you know, if you're if you're going to hit close to twenty five to thirty homers from catcher. Uh, you can strike out close to 30% and just keep it underneath 30. You're probably okay. Um, there's certainly some risks there. I think the biggest issue for me is, is he going to be like, is he their everyday catcher now? Cause like, again, I don't know that much about uh, how good catchers are defensively. Just looking at his defensive score on fan graphs, it's negative 3.4, but I know that, you know, James, you said that a lot of that comes down to how many, you know, because he played a lot of DH last year and everything. So um, well, I don't know. I can and tell I you like that Milwaukee's open to that, right? I mean, they brought in Narvaez when he was a no. Yeah, they you know, they think that they can catcher. fix catcher framing. Uh, yeah. they, okay. Narvaez is kind of the guy they sort of hang their head on. Um, but they've, you know, they made um, way back in the day, they made like Jonathan Lucroy, one of the best framers in the game. Um, okay. So I think it's something they think they can improve with him. But I, I, a lot of Atlanta fans did. Uh, make it clear sort of after that trade that it is somewhat painful to watch him play defense at times. Um, but I think the the point you made, Jake, just about how mediocre this offense is, makes me think that he's going to play kind of regardless. Like he would have mm-hmm. to be so bad because he's arguably their like third best hitter. Um I mean, I don't know. Like, it depends how you want to judge hitters. I, I hear that. What you yeah. Probably did last year, but yeah, it's surprisingly shallow. Um, like you got, they're they've got a lot of guys who should be DHing, which is <laughs> <laughs> um, 
So I, I don't know how many how many uh, starts are actually going to be available for him there. Sounds like the Phillies. <laughs> yeah, they're they're going with like a Phillies build just without spending the money. <laughs> yeah, just shedding the payroll. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, he he has everything you're looking for in a guy around that point in the draft. I mean, he can. I mean, he had 20 homers and 376 plate appearances. The dude has. You know, 13.5% barrel rate, 47% hard hit rate, 115 max EV. The power is there, man. Like, you give him, you know, close to everyday playing time. He's 24 years old. You know, I, I mean, yeah, he can he can get it. Uh, there is some average downside for sure. I don't – I'm not going to put him down for 278. That – no way. Um, but, you know, he can hit 240, 250, and, and if he's hitting 25, 30 homers, then uh, you're happy. If he hits 250 and stays healthy, I think he's a, a big win where he's going. Agreed. Um, yeah, yeah, that's probably true. And so, hey, the Brewers did spend money. They signed Wade Miley. So yeah, that's true. You should. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Sit and down, they... Aaron Ashby. Sit down. <laughs> um, so Tyler Stevenson. Uh, this is the first guy that I am kind of just fully out on um and it's it's sort of for sad reasons but it's just uh i mean he's had stay healthy i think he's had three concussions uh oh, and that's just you know we we saw that with uh like francisco cervelli recently kind of his career basically came to an end because he couldn't catch anymore and um i feel really bad for tyler stevenson um but i just don't trust if you're a catcher and you've got a a history of concussions like you're gonna get those type of impact plays where stuff's hitting your face mask and i just i don't trust him to, to stay healthy and i think you know he's going top top 150 um so i'm just i'm not really interested but i do think if he does stay healthy he's he's worth the cost here uh you guys have anything to say on that i think dave agrees with you i am um... I'm still going to have some just because I feel like, man, I, I, I don't know. I can't quit the guy. I, I've liked him for two years, and I know the bat is there, and the power was coming last year, and he just kept getting hurt, and I just kind of want to keep going back for more. Uh, <laughs> I don't know where. I, I have one in a D.C., and I don't know if I would do it in any big money league because uh, there are so many catchers going around him and above him that are – perfectly viable if not more so so i probably won't have much but i already have one and i'll probably have a couple more i think when it's all said and done i just man the, the dude hits so well I, I mean he's a really good hitter he is and he's if he is healthy he's in there i mean god he's he's he was hitting on the thumb last year he was slid into by voight last year i mean collarbone I fracture collarbone broken yeah i mean he, he was really snake bitten last year but man he's he's good I just I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna throw a bunch of stats at you. The dude just hits, and it's a great park. It's a terrible team, so he's gonna be hitting fourth. Uh, you know, I really do think if they if Votto gets put out to pasture, they move him to first. Um, so who knows there? Uh, but I think that's something that definitely could happen this year. Because uh, I mean, Votto looked like crap last year, so who knows what he comes back as? Uh, he's he's definitely a candidate to be moved off of catcher though. Dave, I, I don't disagree with anything Jake said. I, I, he, he's, uh, 
He's got great plate skills. He's a good hitter. Um, I just don't trust him. Like every spidey sense in my body is tingling saying, <laughs> stay the fuck away. Uh, I mean, he, he goes right where William Contreras goes. I'd a hundred percent rather take a shot on William Contreras. And honestly, I'd rather wait for big dumper or even Danny Jansen. I think after, um, I, I don't know. I think you'd have to fall for me to consider him. It's he's not off my board, but I just, he's just not the guy that I want to take a shot on. So I got lucky with uh, having my partner Todd Whitestone uh, add Cal Rally in a main event last year because I never would have done it. Um, does anyone want to sell me on Cal Rally uh, for 2023? I'm I'm not gonna try because uh, even though I was in on him last year, it's because I acquired him for next to nothing and. Um, they're not going to play him every day. They showed that last year. They, I, I think they acquired Cooper Hummel to play him a decent amount. Um, I like the guy. I just, I don't see enough ABs for him to make me want to draft a catcher at that point. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm probably out because I know the average floor is really low, uh, like 200 low. Um, you know, the Homer, the Homer ceiling is, is good, but there's not a lot of much else that I'm too confident in. So I'm probably not bothering despite how much I had of him last year. I mean, Cooper Hummel barely played in Arizona last year. Their, uh, lineup wasn't exactly a juggernaut. So I don't, I don't necessarily see him being like a huge deterrent to, uh, rally playing a lot. I don't know. Cooper um, Hummel was not on the outline. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just, oh, I don't know. Um, Raleigh has the power, obviously. Um, it's it's very legit. His his XBA, though, is closer to like 240, 250. So, I mean, I guess, yeah, it's possible that maybe he's just an underperformer in average. What do you, but, mean, what do you mean his XBA is closer to... 240. His contact rate was barely 70% last year. His it's XBA really was 243 last year. And then, I don't know, the forecaster has him down for 251. Uh, the forecaster. Is that not right? I don't know. Fangraphs has his XBA as 216. Yeah, you're right. They do. I don't know. I don't know how these people make this. <laughs> well, yeah, so does um, So yeah. I mean, so 71% contact rate, that's, that's not terrible for the kind of power hitter. It's catcher. not. I mean, it's not good for like if you're looking at your like fourth round for Morel. Bad. That's really bad, man. What? Seventy-one percent? Are you serious? Contact rate? That's awful. Jake Wilson Contreras was seventy-one point six. That's bad. That's the guy that you said you wanted. That's a guy that I said is going to play a lot more. Okay. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, um, contact rate aside, I mean, I, I. I think for me, it's just the, like Jake kind of laid it out. Like it's the, the downside with the batting average is what I'm trying to kind of avoid. Um, I hear that the cost of, you know, the home runs are great. Um, just not like, I kind of want, if I'm paying up at catcher, I want a decent average. And so Raleigh just, he's not going to give me that most likely, but it's, if he does hit like two thirty. He's probably worth uh, the price here. Oh, yeah, easily. I mean, 
especially like he had 27 homers and 415 plate appearances. He can, if he can, uh, you know, play, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not convinced. Apparently Jake thinks Cooper Hummel is going to be playing a lot. I, I don't see that. They sat personally. rally a lot until the very, very end when he was smoking hot because I owned him. I knew they, they didn't yeah. play rally every day and they had Luis Torrance who they DFA'd. So they're, they're right. not going to play him every day. They won't. No, 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 not. I don't think they're going to play him every day, but I think, you know, if he plays, what, 65, 70% of games, you don't see him having value there? I don't know. I think uh, – In the 10th round, 11th round? With the 15 and a half percent barrel rate, I mean – I don't see the point. I don't see the point. Like, if he's playing that much, uh, yeah, the average won't hurt you as bad, and if he hits 25, I guess that's fine. But his counting stats aren't going to be there. He's going to he's gonna have 65 RBIs. Like, it's just – Well, Tyler Stevenson's counting stats won't be there when he's on the IL in May either, so I don't know what you're talking about. That's cute. That's cute. <laughs> one one thing in uh, in Raleigh's favor, I mean, he's he's a much better defensive catcher than uh, he was purported to be as a prospect. So that yeah, he that's something going for him. I mean, it, like it, if he's hitting for a low average for your fantasy team and playing a lot, that's not necessarily a great thing. But according to the Fangraphs defensive rating, he's the second best defensive catcher in baseball. It looks like that's kind of crazy. Well, yeah. So Dave's the highest on Cal Rally. Um, I don't know. I, I don't. I don't want to be the Cal Rally guy. I just like Rally guy. <laughs> All right, I'm the Rally uh, guy. He was. Is, I, I'm. See, he he earned four point two WAR last year too. I mean, that's wow. I I didn't realize he was that valuable. I'm sure the defense plays into that. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. Is anyone? Uh, does anyone want to be the Kyber Ruiz guy? Nah. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No, okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I, mean, I, I think he's better than he was last year, probably. Uh, yeah, but I, but, but how much? I don't know. I mean that that steamer projection is really pretty rosy. Um, oh, I didn't see it. Yeah. Two sixty-three and sixteen homers with four steals. Um, wow. I mean. That's pretty that, solid. That's yeah. not what he was last year. So that's no. uh that's expecting a lot of improvement. Um, and yeah. yeah, young catchers, you know, maybe they're more comfortable, but God. Uh, now that, Ruiz that was a guy that had he had some really, really uh model friendly minor league seasons that I think Steamer is kind of factoring in here where he was basically walking and striking out about the same. Um and that you know, there's some uh PCL yeah, power seasons wow. mixed in yeah. there. Uh, they're kind of juicing that projection. Uh, that triple A K rate. Wow, that's yeah, that's something. I mean, yeah, like he's he only struck out even in the majors. He only struck out eleven and a half percent last year. Like, mm-hmm. I think that the contact skills are there. Like, the average could easily be closer, to like two seventy two eighty next year. But I just the power is just not great. But not he did still he stole six bases last year. So if he uh, you know, he might be running more this year. Um, his speed score is not particularly high, but I don't know. It's it's the Nationals. So they just might be like, who gives he a shit? Stole, he's, he didn't steal a base in the minors since 2015. That is that's interesting. incredibly shocking that he yeah. ran as much as he did. You're right. That's interesting. Yeah, he was 16 then. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? That's so that's weird. Awesome. But, yeah, the, the hard hit, hit rate was really low. Yeah, but he was just, with those with those contact skills, you know, the the power could come. The guy is it could still develop. Young. Yeah, I mean, he's still only twenty four. 
Uh, a first-year catcher is obviously focused on a lot of stuff other than the plate, so yeah, it, there could be an improvement. But I, I'm surprised that the the poor performance from last year was not as accounted for in the price as it is this year. Yeah, I, I think that's the thing too. I think maybe it's just because he was such a, a highly rated prospect, maybe. Um, but I always I always remind myself, you know. When Jose Ramirez was 23, he hit 11 homers. Then the next year when he was 24, he hit 29. So, like, the power can develop out of nowhere quickly. Um, it's just, you know, obviously you're not going to bank on it, but it certainly can still develop, whereas you're never really going to be able to just change your plate approach completely and become this, like, you know, I mean, to have the ability to strike out that little and and walk, and, like, that's that's something that, generally hitters can't really uh, add later in their career. And it keeps you in the lineup. True. He has the, per, per the, the steamer 600 Ruiz is projected to be there. The national second best hitter by WRC plus behind the great Joey Manessis. Joey Manessis. Yes. Ooh, so, baby. He's um, a steamer darling. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I think this conversation has left me a little more interested in Ruiz than I was, uh, beforehand and I, I do think he plays a, a ton and hits basically in the middle of that lineup. I, um, I think he is a, a guy that could go very cheaply in an auction because there are so many catchers. Uh, yeah. He might be a guy that you end up getting for $3 that could turn out to be a very good I don't even know if you'd have to go 3 Maybe 2 might get him. Mm, that's maybe. but I don't know. You know better. Range, than yeah, that range is more 3 or 4 but yeah. Okay. I think that's a good that's a good call, Jake. Um, yeah, I think there's so many catchers that he could go very cheaply. Uh, Jonah Heim, I I I was also a, kind of in on Jonah Heim to some extent last year, um, and it and like you said, Jake, it was it was a fun ride for the first what was it yeah Whew, boy did it drop off. <laughs> <laughs> you know he's a good defender, so I think. Uh, you know, he basically just needs to repeat what he did last year, and he's going to play a decent amount. Um, but, you know, is the batting average floor too low? Um, yeah, he's got a career 233 Babbitt. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I'm, this is still we're, – we're kind of in the range now where I'd rather just wait a couple tiers – and take some take some darts, um, but are you guys either you feeling Jonah Heim at around pick two forty? The cost is tough. It, it, I'm I'm with you. This is this is the range where if I don't have one or my second by now, I'm probably kicking the can for a little while. Uh, as much Heim as I had last year, and I still I still believe that there's more there. I, but there's so much risk that. I don't know if I want to bank on it. Uh, he was a guy – I still remember a couple of years ago, the Rangers were really trying to acquire him from the A's, and it was the year before they got him too. So they, they you know, they, they tried like three or four times to trade for him. They really wanted him. They don't have much of a viable backup behind him. I mean, Mitch Garver's not playing catcher, if at all. Uh, Sam Huff, they've basically moved off of catcher. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know what they have in the minors besides a, besides Huff, though. No, I mean it, uh, it's it's Himes Himes. It's, the guy. it's Himes' job. Like, what else are they doing? So, 
if you're looking for somebody that you know is going to play and you know, that park isn't great, but the offense is pretty solid in terms of guys on base in front of him. If he's hitting fifth, um, I don't know, but yeah, that, that batting average floor is so bad that I probably won't have much just because he's in that range where it's, you either have one or you're, you're probably going to wait. Any, anyone interested in Christian Vasquez or Ryan Jeffers where they're going uh, for the twins? I was interested in Jeffers, you know, a while ago, but another guy that could never stay healthy, which is probably why they're not going to bother trusting him this year. I'm, I'm not too in on Vasquez. Nah. Yeah, I mean, I, I think Jeffers was interesting when it looked like he might be the yeah kind of have the, the there's some power there, there but um, I just never believed that they were going to give him the job where I just was yeah. never really interested. Uh, what about? Uh, I mean, I know I know you're going to turn it around and ask me since I'm the prospect guy, but what do you <laughs> think of Logan Ohapi? ADP uh, of two sixty two right now, and uh, I mean. I, 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 I like him a lot. Is is he the is he the everyday catcher? I, I mean, not everyday, everyday, but like, is he their no, starting catcher now? The question. I'd say so. I'd say he starts. It's probably a 60 40, 65 35. No, wouldn't you say? Yeah. yeah I mean, Max Stasi was replacement level last year. He was pure. Right. Yeah, he was terrible. He, he had no power and he struck out all the time. I mean, but this is a guy who, you know, 26 homers hit like 285 in double A with a 16.5% K rate. And he didn't look overmatched at all in a small sample. Um, you know, I can easily see him hitting like 20 homers with 270 at some point in his, at some point sooner than later. But again, we've call, kind of also realized that rookie catchers struggle. So, you know, you kind of have to build that in a bit where he's, he's probably going to be, he's probably going to struggle a bit. But at pick 266, you know, what else are you going to be taking here? I, I mean, we're getting into the zone where most of these guys are going to have really terrible batting order slots. Uh, he's going to be down there. Yeah. When he plays, he's probably seventh or eighth. Um, that lineup is looking surprisingly better. You know, they've made some acquisitions. It's a good park. Um, and they, they traded Brandon Marsh straight up for him. And I thought they liked Brandon Marsh. So, and I know Ohapi is a very good prospect. Uh, he became one of their best prospects as soon as he arrived. Um, so I, I, you know, I, I would assume they're going to play him a fair amount. I do have him once already. I have him in the, the, uh, meatball draft. I did take him early when we weren't really sure where he was going to be going. Uh, so I was kind of taking a gamble there and it, it, it looks like it's, it was kind of right on with ADP. I think actually, I took, yeah, I took him in the 20th. So I got him a little after the current ADP, I think. So I'll have a couple shares. Um, but like I said, the batting order slots bad. So this is uh, not not a guy that I'm going to have in a lot of lineups just because I don't expect, you know, more than, you know, 50 RBIs, 45 he's runs. Got a, he's got a pretty high batting average ceiling. Um, for, for he a showed catcher, that in the minors, for sure. Rookie catcher. I mean, after that trade, he just went insane. Uh, had 11 homers in 29 games at double A and walked way more and he struck out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, twenty two percent. So, I it's mean, crazy. I think it, he's a. This is kind of a. There's upside with Ohapi, and I don't think there's a ton of downside. I mean, I don't know. That's tough to say about a catching prospect who has barely played at AAA. Uh, I mean, he's played basically as much in the majors as he did at AAA. Uh, so, 
I don't think we should just look at what he did at double A and be like, oh yeah, that's going to translate for sure. Um, but I do and certainly think, not right away. Yeah. I think, I think like in this range, I think it's fine. Like, I, I don't know. I don't, not a, not a guy I've ended up with yet, but I, but I wouldn't be surprised if I got him somewhere. Yeah. If you're taking a guy here, I honestly looking at the other ones, he's probably the best bet. Maybe second best, but. There's one guy that, that goes later than this that I like a lot, but there by this point, there's a lot of playing time uh, issues coming up. So after the top 20. Well, that was that was a tease, Dave. Um, yeah, you know, you got to keep the people on the hook, James, you know. Trying so to help you it, out. Uh, let, me, let me guess who, who – uh, so is it um... – Oh, are you going you're gonna, to you're gonna guess already? You don't want to – okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know. It's Grundall. Grundall, just say it, Dave. <laughs> now, James, you know, you were talking about uh, last year's um, uh, podcast with Toby. Do you remember who I said was my avoid in catchers last year? I had a very clear avoid last year. Uh, I'll give you a clue. It was someone you said you drafted a bunch what, of. <laughs> so, so what, it was Grandal. I didn't draft It was Grandal. yeah. I didn't have a bunch of Grandal. I had Grandal on like two teams, but it felt like I had him on six teams. I hated Grandal last year. Like that was – I I didn't – there was nobody this year that I had that like same – like, okay, I have to avoid. Because it has to be someone going high enough to like avoid. Like I'm not going to say – my avoid is someone like going and pick 270 or something. But yeah, no, I hated Grandal last year so much. But now he's going pick 271. I mean, you can't hate that. I mean, for, for what he could give you, but you have to be very conscious of, you know, his old age injury proneness and, uh, you know, the average floor is, is almost non-existent. Like it's like 160 he can hit. So, you know. If you take so let's say you take Grandal, um, you know, he's ADP two seventy two, but let's say you got him at like two eighty five. Um what would like what do you do with him if he's hitting one eighty five at the end of April? Yeah. I mean that's uh is is there a viable replacement is the first question. Like if, if anyone's popping up I'd probably replace them, honestly. I mean, it, it is April. A lot of guys struggle in April, so it's, it's it's tough to completely cut the cord on that basis alone of one month uh, being the coldest month, especially in, like, Chicago. Um, it also depends on are they playing him every day still. You know, if if they're sticking with him through his struggles, that says one thing. If they're benching him a lot, then that says another. Yeah, he's – do you have any thoughts on Grandal, Jake? I feel like he's um, – I wouldn't be surprised if – Everyone looked foolish for just writing him off a little early, uh, and it, and it's like, oh, Grandal, like he did this in the off season, and now he's he's normal and everything. Um, I I'm, wouldn't rule that out, but I also wouldn't rule out just that being the the beginning of the end for him. Do you, I'm do you okay being wrong. Do? I'm okay being wrong. Uh, yeah, I I think last year was so bad that uh, I think the White Sox are probably already. Uh, kind of close to the edge with him. I mean, he's in the last year of a contract. He's very DFAable. That's, That's a true. team that if, if they don't compete, they're going to be shaking stuff up right away, I think, after last year's just putrid output. Um, you know, their their other options are Sebi Zavala and Carlos Perez. So they're, they're not, uh, you know, high-end replacements. Um, so I don't know what they would do. Uh, you know, you, you still have, you, you have El Gary out there. Um, 
There's How dare you speak ill of Sebi Zavala, by the way? I didn't. I didn't. I, I, well, I yeah, I kind of did. I kind of did. You kind of did. It is a, it's a cool name. Cool name. Plus five. Um, <laughs> sky, it's no I, Sky Bolt, but. <laughs> no Sky Bolt. <laughs> um, but I, I, I just think he's DFAable. Like if, if he is hitting 180, like like you hypothesized, James, I think he's he's probably gone. Uh, like I don't see they put up with much of that at this point with how old he is, how injury prone he is, and just how bad he was last year. But I know, just think with knows? with regression and variance, it's totally possible that he bounces back at least somewhat towards where he used to be. I don't, I'm not. Saying I expect that, I, I actually think he probably is closer to the edge, like you were saying, you know, where they could just DFA him and he's just old and just not going to recover. But at 271, I, I don't hate taking a shot on it. You know, I'd I'd rather do that than take like a bow nailer, like in a in a non draft. Well, that draft that ship has sailed, I think, at this point. I don't. Yeah. You know. Yeah, I mean, like I love Bo Naylor from, from in the future. I mean, I don't know about love, but I, I like him. But you know, this year I'm not expecting a lot. So you know, I just I'm looking at what goes after Grandel, and I think that he's the last guy who could be like a full time if he has the shit together. He could be a full time starter. Could be a solid hitter still. All right, so um, let's since you guys are you guys know Cleveland and, and everything like that, you guys are Guardians fans. Uh, let's talk about Bo Naylor quick, and then uh, we can kind of do a rapid fire, and I'll see if there's anyone else out there who's, who's piquing your guys' interest. You don't uh, like long form pods, James? That's our well, special. I, I mean, this, this doesn't this, this is not a this long counts form as a Roto Warrior long form pod. This is, at this this point. is yes. long. I, we're, we're <laughs> Um, so, well, yeah, look, Mark Cerebro will not listen. To yeah. He's, he's gone. He's gone. He won't <laughs> we lost him in the first five minutes, so it's all good. Um, so Bo Naylor, uh, I've got him on one team as a third catcher, which is, was all I was kind of comfortable doing. Um, and I, I, I still actually don't mind him as a third catcher because, uh, the thing that I, and I, I'm going to rank him in the top 50 on my next prospect update. Uh, I think the thing that people maybe don't talk enough about with Naylor is how high the ceiling is. Um, and it's, it's probably not going to happen this year and it might not ever happen, but I just think his, his upside is just really, really up there uh, because of the, the fact that he could be the next, you know, Varsho, Real Muto. Yeah, he's guy. a Real Muto guy. Yeah, for sure. Because, and, and the other uh, people talk about the speed with Naylor. This guy's got crazy raw power. And I mean, he, he kind of showed that a little bit last year, but like when, you know, he, he'll hit some, you know, 430. Um, like it's, it's big boy power. And just that, that chance of like a 25 homer, 15 steal catcher who, uh probably is you know he he'll get the keys probably in 2024 um so i think the playing time is there if he just kind of keeps his head above water um so i i like nailer for the upside as as like a third catcher in a dc still even with the zunino thing and um i mean zunino's coming back what was that thoracic outlet um so like you know i don't i don't think he's a lock to just be um ready for, for four day a week work necessarily. But um, 
I definitely think that them bringing him in lessened the appeal quite a bit. I don't know if you guys have anything to add on that. Uh, every everything you say about Naylor just gets me more amped because I like the guy, but I love hearing that from you. I um I just feel like it's the Guardians' mo. We we knew they were bringing in somebody hundred percent start to start 100%. at least fifty percent of the time. We didn't know who it was going to be, but it was going to be some you know defensive bottom, first yeah, catcher, right. yeah. Um, because I mean they rolled with hedges so much yeah. when he was just god awful at the plate. Um, I, <laughs> you know, I'm looking, I'm looking at our, our, I say R yes, it's me on the team, uh, depth chart, um, in the minors and, you know, Lavastida played a little bit last year, but I see Cam, I see Cam Gallagher down there as the non-roster oh, invite God, team. No. and man, oh man, we just love bringing in retreads <laughs> as our backups. <laughs> and I, I, or Mabry's Valoria, another flame out from the Royals. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, we don't, we don't think, we don't think Naylor's starting up with no. the team, right? Like I, I definitely don't. I, I don't think he's starting think the minor. We see him until at least June. And yeah, I, I just, it just feels like it's going to be later. If we're, but I do, hunt, I do think there's the a good, again. I think there's a good chance he takes over though at some point in 2023. Oh, it, it I, could happen for sure. I, I could easily see that happening. And I mean, you know, Zunino, your your Grandel uh, example, Zunino could be hitting 170, and that would not be uh, out of the question. No, no, Hedges hit 175. Last I mean, year, yeah, I mean <laughs> that might even. Odds, yeah, no, odds might be that that actually happens. I mean, I don't see Bo Naylor anywhere close to like Real Muto. Like Real Muto, much better K rate in the minors. Like Bo Naylor strikes out a little bit too much for my liking to think that he's going to be great, but he could be like a Varsho type guy, like. He does have that uh, power and speed component, um, and he does walk too. So I, you know, he could be better than Varsho, but um, I don't think he's he's got the plate presence of of a Real Muto, but very few do. So um, I, you know, I I'm excited, and I love hearing James say that he's going to have him in his top fifty because, frankly, I I never thought he was that high. Uh, would you draft him in a DC, Dave? I I don't think I would. Would you do it? Yeah, I think I think I'd probably draft him in a DC. I I think he's he looks like a guy who's going to have a role at some point this year, and he's going to give you he's got multiple paths to value with the home runs and the steals. And I mean, you know, you draft two guys that you can uh, rely on, and then if he can be that guy who could come up, you know, June July and uh, make a difference for you, then that would uh, it's better than like a Martin Maldonado third catcher kind of situation. Yeah. Would you take a fourth or just roll with him as your third? I'd take a I'd take. I, I'm a little bit more cautious than you guys are with the catcher. Like I'd probably take a third, um, like a backup guy. A or a, yeah. yeah, he'd be my fourth. I'd take a third guy. Well, he might be the third catcher third I draft. Yeah. I draft another guy. Yeah, mm -hmm. who would start like in the majors. Mm -hmm. And I do want to. I want to be clear. I wasn't comparing Naylor to Real Muto across the board, but just yeah, the, yeah I know, just I the, know. the double double. From oh the yeah, position. the combo dude with an average ceiling. I mean, right? Whew. Yeah, I mean, it, like I from hope. just a comparison standpoint, I think like kind of um, the ceiling is basically sort of Varsho with more power and more OBP. Um, yeah, I could see I that. Take, I would take that every day. Oh yeah, and that's we, that's we've a, had a lot of bad he, catcher play. That's here, a fantasy so. superstar basically. Yeah, he, and I mean, hopefully, better, much better catcher defense than. You know some of these other guys too, and I mean the the floor is quite low, um, right? So it's, it's the the upside is kind of what's driving my um, like of of Bo Naylor. Uh, so 
guys we haven't touched on uh the diamondbacks gabriel moreno adp at 263 min of 187 uh presumably since that trade shay langoliers uh or carson kelly with arizona also a 399 adp um shay langoliers with oakland has a adp inside the top 300 and he's ut only right now uh so you have to wait for him to qualify catcher but he's gonna get all he can eat in oakland uh eric haas with the detroit adp at 289 um Francisco Alvarez with the Mets, also UT only to start the season. He's going outside the top 300. Uh, Nick Fortes, uh, the top ADP for a Marlins backstop at 336. Uh, Christian Bethencourt, Francisco Mejia, Tampa Bay, Joey Bart, Elias Diaz, Jose Trevino with the the Yankees, uh, Andy Rodriguez, just inside the top 400, the, the highest ADP of any Pittsburgh catcher. Um, Austin Nola, Luis Camposano outside the top four or outside the 400 ADP uh, with the Padres. Uh, got Jan Gomes, um, Reese McGuire. Uh, and then a final catching prospect who is UT only to start the season, uh, Yiner Diaz with the, the Astros going just inside the top 600. Um, then you got free agents, Gary Sanchez and Jorge Alfaro. Uh, anyone in there that, that you think is worth discussing Jake? Um, I mean, we should, we should definitely touch on these young guys. Uh, you know, the, the Diamondbacks acquired Gabriel Moreno. I, I would think they're playing him over Carson Kelly. How much? I, I'm not sure. Uh, he's, clearly a better hitter than Carson Kelly across the board. So you'd think he'd play enough that he would be worth drafting. Uh, you know, I would, I would take the risk on him over many of the guys in this range, you know, the Grandals, the, the Vasquez is probably even Ohapi now. Um, I still, I, I do have more Shane Langoliers than any catcher though, this far, thus far this year. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's advisable, and that's probably my my dumpster love. Uh, the UT only makes it a little tricky, but you know he's going to be playing catcher for the A's, and I, you know, I I think the power is there. He showed it last year. Um, barrel rate was really good in the time that he did play. Uh, they kind of bounced him in and out of the lineup a little bit, and he has some speed too. He's another guy that's stolen some bases in the minors. He. He had a really, really solid season at AAA last year and struck out a lot when he came up, but I think with some regular playing time and not being put at DH, and uh, I, I think he'll get some chance to settle in a little bit. So I, I do have a lot of him just because he is one of the few guys at this range that's pretty much guaranteed like 80% playing time, you'd think, and he's hitting in the middle of that terrible lineup. You know, it's not going to be more than 65 RBIs, but it's still something. Yeah, this is a good example of just sort of how sharp the ADP or the NFBC drafting crowd is that Langoliers is going where he's going. Um, you know, despite not he, being in the catcher list, not in the catcher list, uh, you know, hits 218 with a 35% strikeout rate, but everyone's kind of all over uh, what you laid out there. Uh, I mean, he's, I mean, he could just kind of be. 90% of 
Cal Raleigh. Um, yeah, it's a terrible park, but so is Cal Raleigh. So he, he does have the power too to do that. Um, and then with Moreno, I mean, I you know he does have the high he does have a higher ADP than any of the guys you were other than Ohapi, but they're going right next to each other. So um, I mean, I can't get I I think he's um, pretty overrated prospect just because of the name value and sort of how big the gap is between his real life value and fantasy value. And I think the Dalton Varsha trade kind of showed that he's even a little overrated from a real life standpoint too. Um, You're not trading the number three prospect in baseball for Dalton Varsha. So I, I think he's, I could see us kind of talking about Moreno the way we were talking about Kybert Ruiz this year where it's that's, like he that's fair. Yeah. Is, you know, we're, we're still like kind of, Oh, well, that's a, that's a pretty good projection, even though he didn't do a ton as a rookie. Um, so I'm, I'm more about the, the Langoliers love, I think, than the Moreno love there. Um, I mean, Francisco Alvarez, I'm, I'm honestly shocked that his ADP I have no is idea. in line with, with where it is, uh, 322. Um, but I mean, there's so much hype around him. I'm probably the lowest person on Alvarez of anyone who ranks prospects, but with him being a Mets top prospect, clear path to playing time, I would have thought he'd be going up where like Moreno's going. So kind of surprised by that. So I'm curious, uh, as what your thoughts on Andy Rodriguez is James. Uh, really, really high, uh, upside as a hitter. Um, I, I just have no idea when he's up. Um, yeah, we know how long they waited. Uh, so he's, he's, uh, he's a pirates prospect who hit yeah. uh, 25 homers last year between single high, a double a and triple a. And then, uh, you know, we know how long they waited to bring up Cruz though. So, you know, they're probably not they, – they did sign Hedges, so, uh, you know, but they're not going to be competing, right? Like, they're they're going to pretend like they're competitive until, like, June, and then they'll – I'm guessing that's around the time where they might DFA or trade Hedges and maybe bring up Endy. I don't know, maybe even July. I think I think the price on Endy is, is totally fine, and uh, I haven't drafted him yet, but I think it's it's within reason. Like, if he's – Like, 390. If you take uh, – like if you take two catchers you're pretty confident in and then you get Endy as like your third and he's sort of a, a flyer. I kind of like that build uh, because the, you know, he has, he is going to be my number one ranked catching prospect on the next update um, because I think the batting average. It's crazy good. I mean, he could just be a, a monster um, with average and OBP you know, 20 plus homers, I think in his peak years, uh, he's probably going to be like a five to seven steel guy. So I, I like Andy a lot as a prospect. Uh, I think the price is, is perfectly fair, but I, I do have no idea when he's going to be up. All right. Now I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you each take one guess. You did name my guy in your list. So I'll, uh, I'll get into that now, but take a guess at who it is. Hmm. <laughs> Jose Trevino. No. That that was going to be my guess too. Um, oh wow! Okay. 
I look like a Jose uh, Trevino kind of guy. Let's see. Um, it's not Joey are you, Bart. Are you an Eric Haas guy? Nope. Nick Fortes. Uh, if this guy, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So I number got a one, lot of crap for Nick Fortes last year. All right. All right. Number one, Nick, uh, Stalling sucks. Uh, even his defense sucked last year, and he was just he was putrid as a hitter. Um, you know, meanwhile, Fortes uh, had what nine homers and five steals. Um, this guy is has a, a sneaky a lot of speed. He had he his he's got the second highest speed score of any catcher behind Real Muto at five point eight. Um, could be running significantly more next year, especially on the Marlins. Like, what the hell do they have to play for? But I mean, he took a big step forward last year, and I think uh, I think he's really interesting. Like his uh, his plate skills, his uh, batted ball quality. We're, we're solid. I know he only hit like, you know, 220 or something last year, but I think, uh, you know, his his XBA was 250. Uh, yeah, he had 230, but his XBA was 249. So, um, you know, if he can hit 250, give you some homers and speed, uh, I I like him a lot. He doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, he, he walks a little bit. Um, yeah, I just think that there's uh, there's some sneaky value there, and he's a guy who I would really be targeting in draft and holds. Man, I, I'm shocked by this. I'm honestly shocked. You've seen the light. This is, I mean, that's a good call, Dave. And I, I hadn't even been. Uh, Fortez wasn't even on my radar really until I think uh, maybe Jenny Butler took him in that meatball draft. Um, and uh, I mean, he just had no real prospect pedigree at all. Obviously, he's 25 last right. year, but right. just. Just the fact that stalling sucks and Cortez could get you eight steals is pretty interesting. Yeah, he was he was playing a decent amount by the end of the year too. They like, hit him yeah. high up in the lineup at times as well yeah. when they had a couple guys hurt. So if they finally get tired of stallings, but the problem with stallings is he's still under team control until twenty five, despite being horrible. The Marlins are also horrible and cheap and he might not go anywhere. I mean, who's trading for Jacob Stallings? So that might muck up the works. I really like Fortez. I've been drafting him for two years on DCs. So I, I've always seen the potential. I just can't get over how they don't use him more because there's so much more offensive ability there. Yeah. And that's obviously why he's going as late as he is. I mean, it's, you know, he's three thirty-eight. Um Obviously if he were the starter, but I do think it's going to be closer to a 50-50 split than people think. Like I think people are thinking that Stallings is going to get the lion's share. I think it's going to be closer to 50-50. And, and I think that, that Fortes could take on a bigger and bigger role as the year goes on. Yeah, I think the price is very palatable, even if it's a 50-50. Right. And then if, he, if it becomes like a 60-40, then you're really doing well. Yeah, and if you take a third catcher that you feel pretty comfortable with, you know, going around that range, then, or if he is your third catcher, then. And, right. And but I mean, keep, like, good. Well, he'll, he'll keep going probably in this range. Um, at least until like the bad X or some, some projection system comes out. That's given him more than 56 games played. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's just going to keep him down here. Uh, as long as people are kind of looking at that, um, but I, yeah, that's a good call. Uh, he had he had the third him. he had the third most steals in the majors last year after Real Muto and Kyber Ruiz, who had double the plate appearances of him. So I mean, like, yeah, 
he and next year I expect him to run a lot more. And like I said, he's sneaky fast. I mean, five point nine speed score, I think it was. I said, and uh, compared to Real Muto with his like six point nine, I mean, it's uh, those two are way above everybody else. So, um, no, honestly, that was uh, that was that was really my only target down there. Someone mentioned, I think you mentioned Joey Bart earlier. He's of course interesting because he's got the first round pedigree and the talent and everything. Um, I assume he'll be playing. He's mostly their starter this year, right? Yeah. I think he's U. Is he, I think he might be UT eligible. Isn't he UT only? Uh, I don't think maybe I'm wrong on that, but he's no, he's uh, on the catcher list. He's, he's catcher eligible. I think. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I like this is this whole sort of range is kind of why that, uh, that like Vasquez, Heim area just isn't that appealing to mm-hmm. me because right, right. I would rather take I mean would you take like Nick Fortez straight up over <laughs> over like Christian Vasquez? Christian Vasquez? Like, yeah, probably honestly, yeah. I think yeah. I would. Um so yeah, I mean I think there's there's a lot of different ways you can attack catcher. Uh there's no right way to attack it. It's it you know definitely should be you know, what you're most comfortable with, what what have you had success with in the past, what have you struggled with maybe that you could adjust something. But, um, yeah, I think we did a pretty good job of laying out reasons to go after some of the top guys, reasons to, to wait on some of these guys we just discussed. Uh, you guys have anything else to add, or can we do the uh, 18th round ADP thing quick? Yeah, let's do it. No, I think we covered it. That was a really in-depth discussion and far deeper than many pods are going to go on catchers, so. I'm all about it. I was expecting it because last year was the same thing, and I, that's why I was looking forward to it. Yeah, you had, you had those speed score leaderboards ready. I, no, I had, dude, I had everything, I had everything ready. <laughs> you guys don't want to talk about Reese McGuire, though? And no jokes, well, no jokes. <laughs> I do think it's 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 interesting that like some of the very the Red Sox, I wouldn't call a smart organization anymore, but like. You know, the, the teams that really like Houston, Cleveland, like some of the teams that are really going very low in terms of catcher offense and, and prefer preferring the, the defensive guys who just don't hit at all. Like it seems to be mostly smart teams that do that. So um, the Rays. Yeah. Yep. Like just like you could you could maybe make a case that Houston has the worst offensive catching. Yeah. In the majors. Um, uh, it's probably true. Uh, the pirates, <laughs> if Andy's not up, <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I mean, mean Andy, we... Andy would hit for a better average than Martin Maldonado, but um, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, the we're gonna do 18th round NFBC ADP here. Uh, we we started with the 10th round uh, a couple months ago, I'm doing a round each week. Um, so I'll read the 15 players who are currently going in the 18th round and Jake, Dave, and I'll each pick one guy we really like in the 18th round and one guy we have zero interest in. Uh, so Eric Lauer, ha Kim, Jonah Heim, Michael Kopech, Jared Kelnick, Hunter Brown, Shay Langoliers, Trey Mancini, Austin Hayes, Jose Urquidy, Christian Vasquez, Ezekiel Tovar, Marcus Stroman, Roan C. Contreras, and Giovanni Gallegos. Uh, Jake, I'm going to start with you. Who of those 15 players are you really liking in the 18th round? 
Well, I'm going to be honest. I, you know, I usually have a number of guys peppered in each late round that I'm okay with. This is one of the most brutal rounds, I think, out of the uh, back half of the draft in terms of guys that I'm really interested in. Uh, the majority of these guys are not guys that I'm going to draft much, if at all. Um, so uh, Dave's guy I am interested in. And there's not much else. And I, I'm unfortunately going to be boring because I'm going to go with Shea Langoliers again because he is honestly the guy in this list that I own the most now and I probably see myself owning the most throughout draft season just because of his opportunity, um, his potential for power. And uh, I, don't, I don't like most of these guys. <laughs> I really don't. And Dave thought I was going to say Austin, Austin Hayes because I've always been an Austin Hayes honk and I'm – I'm letting that fade. Uh, I'm just, I'm just so scared of Baltimore's park and how much they were okay with benching him last year. And he really didn't do much when he played. So I think my Austin Hayes love is, is finally fading. <laughs> nice. Um, uh, Dave, you're go ahead. Oh yeah. Okay. So my guy is, is unfortunately it's contingent on, on not having a role really to start the year. I don't think so. Um, but I'm really intrigued by Hunter Brown. Um, just looking at like velocity and pitch mix, swing strike rate, and all that stuff, he he uh, profiles extremely closely to Alex Cobb last year. Uh, after Cobb raised his velocity, because uh, Hunter Brown throws ninety six point five, Cobb threw ninety five point five last year, but they both like you know Cobb had like a nine K per nine. Uh, you know, uh, a lower, I think he was like, yeah, 10 and a half percent swing strike rate, very close to Hunter Brown in, in his limited sample too, you know, 9.74 K per nine uh, with a 10% swing strike rate. But, you know, he also had eight innings out of his 20 innings were in relief. So, you know, I'm assuming that that 9.74 probably comes down a bit. Um, you know, the main thing with him is, you know, whenever rookie pitchers come up, they are usually a lot more throw a lot more fastballs, and then they, as the years go on, they they pull back on the fastballs and start throwing the off speed stuff more, getting more strikeouts and everything. But anytime you got a guy throwing ninety six point five, you know there's I'm interested. Um, you know his curveball gets swing strikes. Uh, his slider needs some work. He doesn't get many swing strikes with his slider at all, which is which is a problem. But um, you know you're on the Astros, and uh, I just I really. I'm I'm really interested in in what he could develop into. He kind of also reminds me of Sandy Alcantara before Alcantara broke out, because um, Alcantara before 2021 he had like a 10 10 and a half percent swing strike rate, very similar. You know this he's a guy who throws 97. You know again very similar to Hunter Brown. So um, if you look at that and you know hey if we tweak the pitch mix a little bit, maybe he can get some more strikeouts and uh, take some steps forward here. Um, and I think he could be really interesting, but as of right now, I don't think he has a role in that rotation. That's the only thing holding him back from being a much higher pick, I think. Yeah, and the, this is uh, draft and hold ADP, so right. you know, that's obviously not the end of the world there, so yeah. that's why he's going where he's going. Um, probably would be going quite a bit maybe, maybe later. Not a bit later, later in Fab Leagues. Um, I... I agree, Jake. This is not a good round. Uh, although it does include two of my most rostered players, in uh, Eric Lauer and Ha Sung Kim. Um, 
Kim, I, you know, Lauer, I think is just underrated every year. Uh, just kind of a, a volume, um, mid to late round SP. I was very close to taking Lauer, by the way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, like I think he's, he, he's not, uh, he did look excellent in his, uh, final couple starts last year. So I do like seeing that with a, with a starting pitcher where like, I thought his stuff looked as good as it had all season. Um, in his last start or two. Uh, but I'll actually talk about Hassan Kim really quick. I think he's just – his defense is so good. Uh, and I think he really kind of settled in against big league pitching um, last year. I mean, he's not he's not awesome. But uh, if you're looking for guys that could get you double-digit homers and double-digit steals, he goes about as late as any of those guys. And he's eligible at middle and corner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like, I like yeah. Hassan Kim a lot for, for draft and holds, especially. Um, all right. Uh, Jake, who's someone you want no part of here? I know there's, Ooh. there's plenty to choose from. I'm glad you <laughs> go first though. I, I feel like Dave and I might be on the same page with this one. We didn't check beforehand. So thank you for, no, I, I didn't, I didn't know he was going to ask us for a fade too. I forgot about that. My bad. Oh, okay. All right. Um, well, uh, I will definitely not have any Michael Kopech on my teams. Um, God damn it. <laughs> yes. That's a good one. Okay. All right. Uh, velocity dropped. You know, granted, he, he was a starter last year, but, man, did he labor through the season. And his effectiveness of his secondaries, while his fastball was still effective, his secondaries lost a lot of whiff rate. Um, control is all over the place. Uh, I, I just – don't see him working as a starter. I feel like he ends up back in the bullpen uh, at some point this year because they are going to need him there. I think um, I, I, and plus there's still injury risk with him because he had a long list of injuries before last season. So with how much he labored la- through last year, despite the ERA being pretty solid, I think it should have been a little bit worse. And I just don't like how his secondaries work. And I, I generally don't also draft guys that throw, 60% fastballs, four seams. Uh, you know, if they mix in a slider and a fa- or a, a sinker and a fastball, yeah, or a, a four seam, then that's a different story. But uh, I don't like guys that throw that many fastballs that are starters. Yeah, that was a that was going to be a in demand fade in this round, I think. Um. Yeah, I mean that that was that was my original pick, but I can easily just go with the Christian Vasquez pick because we've kind of already covered it. I, I hate to be lame, but Jake took my guy, so you know that's too bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I just don't see any reason to take Christian Vasquez. I just the uh, he's going to a much worse park. Uh, I still think you know he's not going to be the guy. Like they're going to split the playing time there a good amount, and just like the guys going around him, I'd much rather have Heim uh, or you know Logan Ohapi or like kick the can down the road to Nick Fortes. So I mean, it's just I don't see much point in taking a guy like Vasquez here. So my fate is is uh, I, I could go uh, Jared Kelnick, um, but I, I'm going to go with uh, Jose Urquidy, actually. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's clearly their sixth best starter uh, and probably fits best for this team as kind of like a swing man and might even be a guy that they trade if they can get something decent. I just think the... I don't know, man. The he's been pitching over his head, uh, I think, for a couple of years now, and I just don't trust that the role is going to be there for him all season. Mm-hmm. 
let alone to start the season. Like, I think he's like, I just, I think he's kind of like their sixth starter, maybe not to open the year with Brown, but I do think at some point the cream rises to the top there. So man, that, uh, that hot streak that he went on from like mid June to early September was insane. I, I, it was so out of nowhere for Keedy. I was just like, what is happening? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, do, do you, did you see anything from that? That like, cause I, I wasn't paying that close attention to that specific stretch. I just was sort of off him at that point. No, like I, I ended up picking him up in some uh, Yahoo daily moves leagues just because like I could stream guys for, for wins. And obviously, you know, you're looking at Astros for wins, you know, he's, he had 13 wins last year, but I mean, the K rate was still like 7.3 overall. I mean, He's obviously a good control guy, but I, I have no idea why hitters were just not able to square him up during that time period. I, I couldn't really tell you. Um, maybe they were cheating. I don't know. Um, no, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I he, he, got, he did get hit hard uh, towards the end of the year, though, so I feel like kind of all is right with that again. So I'm, I'm, I'm more on your side with uh, probably fading him as well. And I'm just kind of stacking him up against, like I would take Lauer and Brown over him. Oh yeah, days out of ten, and I'd probably take Contreras, Roncy Contreras over him too. Um, but I, you guys, I mean, Kopech is is the best fade here probably. So yeah, um, thank you, thank you. Just all right, fellas, we're uh, we're almost at <laughs> two hours. We can keep um, talking. <laughs> Jake, Jake, maybe you should get back to your own podcast. Uh, I think, I think, you know, James would like to hear us actually do our podcast sometime too. Yes. Well, you guys got anything to promote on that front? Uh, Jake, we're we're we'll be back. We have to figure out a day. I'm I'm ready. Here's the thing: if you if you don't keep Jake on a schedule, he he just fades away. Like he he'll find other things to do unless you like you literally have to make him a schedule. Be like, okay, every Wednesday we're doing this. Like other than that, it's 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 done. He told me we're gonna be back doing it uh, when after he did Potapalooza in August. So uh, it's been nothing since then. Actually, that was July. (laughs) (laughs) My bad. All right, we'll be back this week though. Well, okay. Oh. Well, don't, oh, don't, wow. don't Dave pressure you, man. Like, I wow. you. no, I, I want, I, we, I'm ready. I, I got my, I, I was telling James before I, I had a, I had my car problems weighing on me. I have a new car now, so I have that off my mind and off my shoulders. So I'm ready. I've been doing some drafts, so we'll, we'll be back. All right. Well, get the, right. uh, get the Rotosaurus podcast in your podcast feeds so that you're you're ready for that whenever that drops um i really want to thank you guys uh jake hollisker and dave mcdonald um this was great uh very in-depth and i think it probably helped help me out again this year so um really appreciate you guys taking the time uh next week i think it's going to be todd zola back uh guest hosting and then i'll be back the following week with the mailbag episode so uh stay tuned for all that and uh see you guys later thanks james everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in if you are a woman over 35 magnesium will help you rediscover balance energy and vitality 
Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.